I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rats with Modern Bankers. Happy Thursday, everybody. And as you can see, both Bryn and I are on the road. Uh, and so this is a pre-recorded edition of Jack Rants with Bryn. Hi, Bryn. Hey, Jack. How are you? Things are great. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about a great subject today. Uh, we're going to talk about nurturing your connection. So I have a special hat for that. <clears throat> when, when my wife and I had our 50th wedding anniversary, our son Adam and our daughter-in-law Amber gave each person in our family a hat with 50 on it. It also is very special for me because not only have I been married going on 51 years, but I've been in banking going on 51 years. So I always tell people I'm in the 50-50 club. Now, why this hat today? Well, if you're going to be married 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, one year, you're going to have to nurture that relationship. And it's the same in banking. If you want to really do some cross-solving, if you want more people to bring you more money and do more services with you, you're going to have to nurture that relationship. So today we're going to talk about how to nurture relationships on LinkedIn. And I have an expert with me to kind of be able to talk through this in a very, very practical way. So Bryn, let's start by talking about nurturing. What is nurturing your relationships? Ah, this is so important. And and you're right, Jack. It just like you do in your in real life relationships, we need to do this in our digital relationships, but also in our professional in-person relationships. But bankers sometimes are like, how do you nurture online? Like it's just such a foreign thought. You know, you can email, but is that nurturing? Well, here's here's the thing. Number one. We have to identify what matters to them. Nurturing is in the heart of the beholder. What you do to them is not nurturing. What you do for them is. And so when we look at nurturing our connections, we've got to take the selling out of our heads right now because that's not nurturing. That's for us. We want to sell. We want a new client. We want a new customer. We want a new opportunity. When we're nurturing, we're looking at what can we do to benefit them. So I think it's really important that we set that stage because this is not, hey, let's find out all the people that we're connected to and pitch them because that's not nurturing. And that's why Jackie and I use this word nurturing because it's really important that, you know, one of the things we say all the time is detach from what the prospect is worth to you and attach to what you are worth to the prospect. Bring them value. So that's my thoughts on what nurturing is. I can't wait to talk about how to do it now. Well, me too. And, and I think you make some, some very, very great points. And I want to talk now about who are we ignoring? Um, so uh, you have great examples about this, and I use my grandson's 
basketball cards as an example, where he'll buy a pack of basketball cards and he'll look at them. And if there's a couple of really good rookies or people on his favorite team that he'll look at, he'll say, oh, I want to set those to the side. The others he might just put back in the drawer. From a sales perspective, you always talk about the stack of business cards in your drawer or on your desk. And the, the, the higher the stack gets, the worse it gets for the first person at the very bottom of the stack. So we, we want to talk about who are we ignoring. Let's start there. Well, yeah. And I'm just going to go back to your grandson's baseball cards for a minute because he, you know, he puts them in a pile, doesn't even remember who they are. So if one of those becomes a really good player, he doesn't even know that he's got that card in his stack. And so that's that's a wonderful kind of story to get your, your to wrap your mind around all these other folks. Now, you may have hundreds or thousands of connections. And we cannot mentally keep track of everyone. It's just impossible. And when you connected with them, some of them you started that relationship with. But it's time to take a look back at all those cards with the rubber band in the corner of the desk and decide who is it that I want to start a conversation with. On average, we're finding it's about 10%. So if you have 100 connections, there are 10 that you probably want to have a conversation with. Think about that. If you have 1,000, there are 100. How long does it take you? to get in front of a hundred people that already recognize your name. I mean, it's absolutely essential that we take inventory and we identify. So, you know, I'm not going to go into the weeds on this, but we had a client in staffing uh, in the heart of, um, uh, of COVID. It was April, 2022. And she happened to do, I mean, it's not banking, but hey, it's, you know, it's it's a wonderful example. She happened to do um, manufacturing staffing. So everyone was laid off. She wasn't making any money. And she took inventory of her connections and recognized an old client had moved to a healthcare company. And all of those employees got jobs in the healthcare company in the middle of COVID. And she sent me a letter, a, an email that literally said, thank you so much for paying a year of my daughter's college tuition with her commission that she made. So here, here, it was like a win, 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 win. But she never would have known that her old client had moved to a new company. So that's one of the things that we want to look at her. You know, what clients have moved? What prospects may not have been a prospect before. Maybe they were a banking intern in cash management with, you know, right out of college, but it's been five years and they may have, I don't know, some influence. What if you have CPA partners or state attorneys that you may not have spent a lot of time or paying attention to in the moment, but now, you know, you're, you're, improving your networking chops. And so these are people that you can go out and restart conversations. So we need to take inventory because the con connect and forget is sometimes the most costly thing we can do. Absolutely. And, and so you, you've done a really good job of talking about who we're ignoring. 
But one of the things that a lot of people say about this program is it's not theoretical, it's practical. You do really talk about how to do this. So let's let's do the how now. Let's take a little deeper dive. How we, we know that ignoring these connections, whether it's 500 or 1,000 or 50, is not a good idea. How do we go about finding them? Oh, that's great, Jack. Um, the first thing we want to do in, is export our connections. It's pretty simple to do. And if you're interested in how, you could go ahead and join the actual how. You could join um, themodernbanker.com slash public library, ask in the community, and we'll send you all kinds of resources. Um, so for the tactical side, but you can easily export your connections. You download them after 10 minutes of requesting into an Excel spreadsheet and you get first name, last name. There is a column for email, but it's mostly empty because people have to opt in to give you that. There's their position, their company and the date you connected. And this is a powerful database of your connections. And it's really fun to look back and see who your first connection was too. But we recommend you put a column in the left-hand side and you, you, you categorize them. Now, I have fun saying it's CPR. We're breathing life back into our clients, prospects, and referral partners. So fun. Um, but if you take inventory, you'll notice about one out of 10, as you go down, fit one of those categories. The other thing you can do, and it's and this is available in the free LinkedIn and LinkedIn.com, is you can search your first degree connections by title, by industry. Um, I think there's nine filters that you can choose and use to drill your first degree connections down to your ICP or ideal customer profile. Yeah, and and. That is such a critical thing. And, and to, to expand on that just a little further, when you export your connections, you will get it in a numbers file. Numbers is... Or Excel. Or Excel. But, you, but what I have to do is I get it in numbers and then I have to convert it over to Excel. But the neat thing about that is, let's say that you are having a, um, uh, an economic forum and you want to invite CFOs, all the CFOs that I'm connected to, you can go and you can sort by title mm -hmm. and you can get all the CFOs or chief financial officers. Now, to Bryn's point, you don't get their email address very likely. However, LinkedIn has added something fairly new to this. And from what I understand, you can get the URL. The, they will include the URL of the first degree connection. So, while you can't get the email, you can then click over into the URL if you want to, and you can do a personal invitation. And now you've got a list of people who would be very interested in, in education or uh, attending an event or something along those lines. So exporting connections is really important. So one of the questions I would have if I'm watching this, Bryn, is how often would you do that? Yeah, and, and I'll answer that after. I just want to throw in, if you are a subscriber to RelPro, you have access to most of those emails, even if they're not a first-degree connection on LinkedIn. So um, that's a really fabulous way to fill in the blank to get those emails. Um, 
So how often? I do it probably monthly, but I think quarterly is fine. I think if you export them once a quarter. Now, it, it you may have an opportunity where, boy, I went to a conference. I just connected with 50 new people in the last two days. That's a great time to export to follow up. So there's no real prescription for how often. I put it on your calendar for quarterly, but if there's an opportunity where it makes sense, you can do it more. In, indeed. And and that certainly is going to be dependent on, let's say that o- over a period of a month, you happen to be uh, out at various events and you were able to garner some pretty significant new connections, a good number. You might want to go a, a little bit more often. I'll go back to the RELPRO example that you, that you made because it's a good one. Um, so let's say that I have uh, my Excel spreadsheet and I have my you uh, my my name. I can actually go into RelPro, copy the email into that uh, Excel spreadsheet, and now I've got it for the future. But let's say that I wanted to invite somebody right away to an event. I could click on that email in RelPro, and it would take me over to uh, Outlook or Gmail or whatever you use. So it's in, in, incredibly uh, incredibly convenient. The other thing I wanted to mention to you, you have a LinkedIn allows you to have 30,000 connections and you've had 30,000 connections for years. And the challenge for you, of course, is that when you want to connect with somebody new, you have to almost go go through your list and say, well, that one is not I'm not working with that person or whatever. And I deconnect with them. But what the the nice thing about uh, uploading your connections is that you can go down through your connections really fast and you can say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that Mary Smith became the CFO of this particular company. I've been trying to get into that company. Mm-hmm. Now you might say, well, wait a second, isn't that in the notifications? Well, they may all not appear there. Mary may not have updated her profile uh, immediately, so you may not see it, or you may not have, you may just not see your notifications and therefore that list you have exported can be of, of great benefit to you. Um, so let's can I go add on. to that real quick Absolutely. because this is, <laughs> this is sort of a side note, but an important one, those notifications, new jobs, promotions, and birthdays have moved. So they're not in the normal notification any longer. So you will see it occasionally, but if you want to proactively go see that, it's in the networking tab now. So you'd have to go into LinkedIn, click on the, instead of clicking on the notifications, you click on the networking tab and scroll down and you'll see celebrations. I think they're trying to make the the notifications more personal where job changes, birthdays, work anniversaries are not the same personal. Um, And so, there's, you're more likely to miss them now. So, yeah. That's true. And, and <clears throat> a little off the subject, but, <clears throat> excuse me, a little off the subject, but when someone, when, you're no, when you either proactively go out or you're notified or you find it in your, um, your list of exported connections, and you say, well, wait a second, Mary Smith is the new CFO of XYZ, <clears throat> just know that Mary Smith left another company who now may have a new CFO 
and that that new CFO may let you into that company. That's something you taught me a long time ago. Uh, yeah, there's two opportunities with every job change. All right, we're going down this path. I love this. So we, um, who are we ignoring? We discussed that. We talked about, okay, we know we're ignoring some people. How do we find them? Now the next question is, what do I do about that? What, what, what should I do when I, when I get all my connections dots in a row? Well, first thing's one of your favorite, Jack, which is send a video message. You can send a video message to every single one of your first degree connections. You could do it from mobile and you just go into message. There's a little paper clip. It's take a video and you're done. Like 15, 20 seconds. There is an over 90% response rate when you send a video message to someone that recognizes your name. That's a huge number. I mean, I don't think you get 90% someone talking to you in a networking meeting in person, let alone. It's probably not true, but we want to take advantage. Now, what do we say in that video message? Well, if you know them well, and one of the things I have learned from you, Jack, is everyone we get on a call with you know their kids, their vacations, their health status. Like, you know these people. I, You are the king of relationships. And, they, and because of that, they absolutely love you personally. And then if they need you, they, they hire you, right? They hire you. But um, they care about you because you care about them. So we don't want to, like, put on a video just want to let you know we have the most aggressive rates in the industry. <clears throat> You'll lose them. That is not that's that's a bait and bait and switch. It's like, oh look, there's Bryn. Oh my gosh, she's pitching me. Done, right? Like it does the opposite of building rapport, trust-based relationships. So what can you do? So many things. One, do you have an event? Maybe your CEO's talking on Zoom. Maybe he's in a panel or she's um, she has a video that's on the company page. Uh, invite them to something like that. Number two, share content. If you have a subscription to Vertical IQ, you can find content in their industry or you can find content in their the industry of the people they serve and you can send them content. Hey, I came across this article and I thought of you in a video and then link it. I'm going to link it below. I'd love to hear your thoughts right? Ask them to vote on a poll. If you're really looking for one-on-one -on -one conversations, start a project to create an ebook. Talk to marketing. They may be able to help you with it if you come up with it. And make the ebook what the top 25 banking CFOs are talking about the trends for 2025 or where they see the trends in 2025. And then you have five months, four months from the time we're, we're recording to talk with them, get them on a, a Zoom or a Teams call and record it, and then just grab quotes. Now you're having conversations with them. And then in December, you can publish and you don't even have to do the writing. Obviously, go through your bank compliance send it to marketing, make sure you get the blessing of the entire organization before it goes out and maybe even get their blessing before you start the project. But 
This is such a phenomenal way to have real conversations with your prospects, trust-based conversations without being salesy. So there's so many ideas. Just start the conversation. Don't go in with for, for the close. Yeah, and that's right. There, there are multiple ways. So I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, first of all, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty big into groups. I do like being involved in groups. And there is a phenomenal group called the CFO Network. I believe that's what it's called. And there are about 450,000 CFOs and others in that group. So one of the things people might say on this program is, well, Bryn, that sounds really good. You know a lot of places to find content and we don't have vertical IQ, which is unfortunate, they should, but uh, they don't. So what about, where, what, where do I find stuff up for CFOs? CFO network is unbelievable. They have a lot of great research and articles that you can go click on and you can forward out. So that's really simple. I'll, I'll tell you another thing. We know of a bank, uh, Britt and I, uh, because we work with them, where on a coaching call recently, one of the bankers said, you know, I, I went through and I learned about this uh, nurturing your network. And so I went out and I messaged somebody that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I provided an article, et cetera, et cetera, did exactly what we suggested. And on a Sunday night, the gentleman uh, emailed the banker and said, you know, I've had enough with XYZ Bank. I'm really, really interested in changing banks. Let's have a conversation. And the banker is moving that forward. So just by going out there and providing value, you know, I always talk about two things that are going on in business all the time, MIM and PIM, money in motion and people in motion. The challenge is you don't know as a banker what's going on when it's going on. So nurturing those connections by sending out something of value can be of, of, great, of great consequence. Well, we, we've talked about all the way down to having can I a yeah, please, please. Because I just, you said something that got me really excited. You can go into Sales Navigator, which is a premium account, and you can search CFOs in that group that are in your geographic location that changed jobs in the last 90 days. And so you can drill down. So I just want to throw out the power of Sales Navigator. A lot of our, our banking customers are starting to really, um, dive deep, they're buying licenses, and they're seeing impact. Uh, so I just wanted to share, if you don't have Sales Navigator, also too bad. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a believer, Sales Navigator, REL Pro, Vertical IQ, you're covered. <laughs> That's my thought. Um, but uh, I, so I just want to throw that in because those groups, you can really hone in on exactly the persona inside of those groups. Okay, now back to you, Jack. Well, uh, you, you brought up a great topic and something that's a passion of mine. If the bank provides a tool like Sales Navigator, it's not inexpensive. It's incumbent upon you as a banker to use that because the bank gets a report every month of usage. Bank looks at it and says, well, nobody's using this tool. Let's just drop it. And that's unfortunate because maybe there are one or two people really good power users that are using it. And that's unfortunate. So getting a tool is really important. But how as a, a culture can we nurture that tool? <clears throat> Sales managers, 
during your team meetings, shine a light on it. We have Sales Navigator. I know all of you have it. Let's talk about one thing you did last week on Sales Navigator in your one-on-ones, in your coaching. And it's all about the culture, the leader, and the banker taking responsibility and accountability to use those particular tools. Well, we th- this has been fun. And I, I do want to talk about one more thing, though, because this all would be for naught because it's we're just not, you know, trying to make friends here. We'd love to do business and help people that we can. So how do we have, how do we start those trust-based conversations without being salesy after we start nurturing our connections? What, what do we do, Bryn? Well, I'm going to say that it depends on the conversations that you have. It depends on, you know, so, so we start these conversations around getting a quote for the ebook or a poll or sending this piece of content. Maybe you share uh, a post and you ask them for their perspective. The next thing, and, it, and I hate to say that it depends, but it, it depends. You want to nurture a few times. You want to, you know, them to feel like you're how you're in a conversation because you are, it's not about feeling you want to invite them. If you happen to be going to local events, if your bank is sponsoring event and you have free tickets to bring people, invite them, right? If you, again, if you have even zoom events and then say, Hey, I'd love to have you as my guest. Would you be willing to jump on a quick call and give me your thoughts afterwards? So the bottom line is we need to get into a normal conversation. It will progress just like if you meet them in person, if you called them on the phone, it's going to progress. You know, you can ask them, hey, what are your initiatives next year? How are things going? Um, You know, curious if, you know, is it, it, how do you feel about, you know, you could, how do you feel about what's going on in, in the industry? Are you feel, where do you see the future going? Are you expanding? Do you think you're going to be hiring? You could get into a little bit of discovery to understand as long as you don't pounce on, oh, you're hiring. You're going to need more office space. We can help you with that. Just and this is where Jack, you know, I think you you bring magic, right? How do you have this conversation? For me, it's starting that conversation in a natural way. So I'm going to throw it back to you. What would you do? I like two words here: communication hooks. This is where great salespeople, innate salespeople, know that it's time to ask for the appointment. Um, you know, it's like I'm on a date. This has been 51 years, but I'm on a date um, and um, we're having dinner <clears throat> and it's going well. At some point, I might say, you know, we're having a really good time. I'm, I'm curious. And now maybe we, we, we go forward with that conversation. That's innate. I mean, if it went really, really bad and your date went to the bathroom four times with his or her cell phone, probably not a good time to ask. But that's where if it's not the first time, it's not the before I send content, it's not before I add value. But along that continuum, when I kind of get the sense of, okay, uh, it's time to ask. And by the way, 
the potential buyer is expecting this. You know, 85% of business owners built their business because they're good at sales. That's a statistic I've, I, I learned from uh, the great Tony Perinello. So bottom line is, at some point, they're expecting you to ask. And when you don't, and there's an opportunity, they may move on to somebody else. So it's, I, I think, Bryn, it's kind of innate. Yeah, it's a little bit of a dance, right? It's a little bit... I think what I would throw with a, a yes and on that is don't, if you don't have it innately initially, don't pitch something that does not align with something they told you. Like it's got to be, Hey, I heard you say this. I'm curious if you explored this as a solution and that, you know, I think that's a really good way to ask if you, don't have that intuition yet. And some new bankers don't, you know, they haven't done it long enough. So I think, you know, it's got, it has to be tied to a discovery question and an answer that you could have a, a, an insight or solution for, I think. And that's my gut. Jack, your thoughts? No, yeah. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And that's where you get, when you get, I think LinkedIn has started to get a bad mojo around this pitch mentality. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I, do you want to connect? And then, oh, by the way, and, and it, it just isn't good. Now, that's not what we're talking about here today. We're talking about nurturing your connections, but no different. If you have a thousand connections and you look down and your very first connection was <clears throat> in 2017 and you haven't talked to them in a while, you're not going to go out and pitch them. You wouldn't do that in a networking event. You right. wouldn't do that in a in a sales a call situation. So don't do it on LinkedIn. It's it's absolutely no different. Well, th this was fun today. I really enjoyed this um, yeah, this brand. And I would just say one more thing before you comment, and we'll talk about next week. Um, cross selling, I think, is a is a horrible term, and I've always kind of felt that when we started our business a long time ago. In 2000, Bob St. Meyer and I, we talked about cross-solving. And that's what you're really trying to do here when you're nurturing your connections. You're reaching out to, you're, you're finding them, you are uh, connecting back with them, and you're trying to figure out, is there a way that I can help you? If there is, and you've got some some good opportunities, cross-solving is 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 where you're where we're at here, Brent. Yeah. And if I could just one more piggyback on that, because I, I, I do think that's brilliant. And you know, so much of this I've learned from you over the years, but something you said many years ago uh, that has stuck with me so much, Jack, is if you have the right for solution for them and you don't offer it, you're doing them a disservice. And I, I, I just, that stuck with me so deeply. Like you have an obligation to offer a solution if you have one. So, yeah. So I thank you for that advice. Yeah, you bet. And as a banker, it, you actually have a fiduciary responsibility. Right. So it really does go to the charter that your bank design, your credit union uh, put together many, many, many years ago. Well, thank you, Bryn. I always appreciate your expertise. Thanks, Jack. I always appreciate your time. I have so much fun on these. It, it's just, this is sometimes my favorite time of the week. So um, I appreciate it. And everyone else, I guess next week, we're talking about leveraging our warm market. So how do we 
identify the folks that can help us get into other folks. There you go. Perfect. Well, great to see you Thursdays. Always. It's Jack Rance with Bryn. Great to see everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye guys. Thanks for joining us for Jack Rants with Brim, brought to you by our good friends at Vertical IQ and RelPro. We're live on LinkedIn every Thursday at noon Eastern time, helping bankers turn connections into conversations. Don't miss an episode. Visit themodernbanker.com slash TMB podcast. Leave us a review if you would. You can also listen to this program and the new Jack Rants with Modern Bankers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. We're on YouTube as well. Subscribe at youtube.com slash at the modern banker. Finally, don't forget, make today and every day a great client day. Music.